0: main blanket advice that you really want to follow is create something like put stuff out into the world you want to be building projects you want to be blogging about those projects you want to be creating videos about that project you want to be going out to meetups to talk about those projects it really doesn't even matter what it is and so the hack is how do you make that content compelling
1: hello everyone i am ishan anand Head of Product at Layer Zero.
2: And I'm Mark Bercato, VP of Engineering at Layer Zero.
1: And welcome to JavaScript Jam. On today's episode, we have uh, Anthony, who's a developer advocate at Stepsen, and a core team member and developer advocate at Redwood.js. Redwood.js is uh, one of the leading contender JavaScript frameworks to you know, take the crown of Ruby on Rails. Uh so really excited to have him here and hear more about Redwood Jays. Welcome Anthony.
0: Hey, thanks so much for having me. Really happy to be here. I just had you two very recently on my own podcast, which is yet to air, but it'll be fun to continue to talk about, you know, these jam stack ideas. I know you guys are all very interested already and you know, Redwood I think is really fits into that that whole story.
1: Yeah, it totally does. Before we jump into Redwood, could you just give us some idea about your background and how you got involved with Redwood?
0: Yeah, uh, I love telling my story because I think it's uh, good for people who are maybe in a similar boat in terms of being a career changer or someone who is not from a quote-unquote traditional background, although I'm finding that the more traditional background these days seems to be boot camp people who used to be humanities majors. So I used to be a music teacher, so I have a music education degree And I spent a little time teaching at public schools and then I ran a performing arts summer camp for about four years. So I got a taste of admin work and event planning and how to to run a small business. And throughout all that, I had drifted away from what I really enjoyed, which was like creating. And so I found coding was an interesting niche to get into because it kind of scratched that itch of like wanting to always like have new things to learn and be able to create interesting stuff that you can then share with others but it was also like a a hard skill that companies were willing to pay a lot of money for so I started learning to code probably about three years ago now and hacked at it on my own trying to learn like Python data science stuff which was uh, a huge failure (laughs) I like barely made any headway at all into that and at a certain point re-evaluated and went deeper into web and started learning html css javascript and then joined lambda school which is a very well-known boot camp that just got a huge huge series c funding round, i think not too long ago and as i was going through that boot camp i was learning full stack web development i was learning react and express and postgres and at the same time, I was looking at the open source world and what else was available beyond the things I was learning in my bootcamp, and I saw Redwood.js. And Redwood.js is a full-stack JavaScript framework. It uses GraphQL, but it's really React and Node, basically, and with a Postgres database. So as I was going through my boot camp, I was learning about Redwood. I was listening to podcasts about it, and I just started writing about it. I started blogging and I went through the entire tutorial front to back and get do a little demo here that will show a, a decent chunk of, of what that is, and then eventually started getting more involved with the team and going to meetings, and then at a certain point they invited me to be an actual core team member. And then not too long after that I actually got a real job at Step's End thanks to the exposure I had gotten through my Redwood work. I,
1: I think your your story is so compelling, um because you know, you went in three years from boot camp to core team member on a hot JavaScript framework uh, you know a, a job at an interesting company like it's it's really inspiring and uh, we should mention you host a podcast we should mention that one uh, FS jam which totally recommend everyone checks out you get cover the whole space you're not covering just redwood you're covering all the other full stack jam stack frameworks um, but you know what? advice would you give to other folks who are career changers and we host a, a a room every week in clubhouse called javascript thursdays and we get a lot of people who are in that situation and they're asking you know i just got out of a boot camp what should i do um it's great to have somebody like you to point to but what would you say you know that that really would make the difference in kind of those early days
0: yeah it's very much a hard thing to just give blanket advice is really going to vary from person to person. But the one main blanket advice that you really want to follow is create something like put stuff out into the world. You want to be building projects. You want to be blogging about those projects. You want to be creating videos about that project. You want to be going out to meetups to talk about those projects. It really doesn't even matter what it is. And so the hack is how do you make that content compelling and so for me that was latching on to a popular open source project that was up and coming it doesn't necessarily need to be that but it's a good kind of hack to get yourself a lot of like attention if you glom on to something else that already has a lot of attention but there's not a lot of people creating content around but the, the main advice, though, is just create stuff that you can put out and you can attach your name to because then that will start to accrue and then you'll be able to actually point to things saying, here, this is stuff I've made, this is stuff I've done. Otherwise, everyone's coming out of a boot camp with, with a boot camp degree, a certification, like whatever that means. There's hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people coming out of these boot camps. And it's really hard to, to stand out if you just have the boot camp certificate and that's all you have.
2: Makes sense. So let's switch to, to Redwood JS. I'm a you know, an avid lover of Ruby on Rails. So, you know, I'm wondering, A, just give us a description of what Redwood JS is and B, like how much did Rails influence Redwood JS? Was it the benchmark that the team went after or was there other frameworks that were more inspirational?
0: Sure. Redwood is a full-stack JavaScript framework, and you can say quite definitively that, yes, Ruby on Rails is the main overriding inspiration for the project. You can see this in a couple ways. One is that the framework is being headed by Tom Preston Warner. Tom Preston Warner is well-known as the creator of GitHub, which is quite possibly the largest Rails app of all time. Up there with things like Shopify and other really, really massive Rails applications. So he was scaling Rails back in the mid, you know, late 2000s. So he has a ton of Rails experience. And then you have people like Rob Cameron on the team who essentially will say any and all problem in web development was already solved by Rails. Like no matter what issue we're coming up to, he's like, here's how the Rails people solved it. Just figure out how to do that in the most similar way you can figure out how they did it, you know? And so that philosophy is, is baked into the team. But the real key piece is the ORM layer, I think, because when we talk about what a full stack framework is, that means it's the front end and the back end, and the question of how you mediate between that front end and back end is a huge question. So with Rails, you have Active Record, which I've never used. Rails, I don't really know a ton about the real nitty gritty mechanics of it, but I know that Active Record is a key piece of it. And once Tom and the team saw Prisma, Prisma 2 specifically, they're like, okay, that's something close enough to ActiveRecord that we can build a framework around, because that's going to let us work with our database, do migrations, set up our tables, write to those tables, and that'll be some of the stuff we'll be showing in the the demo today.
1: Uh, Should we actually back up a second? And for people who haven't touched Ruby on Rails or don't really know much about it, uh, Mark, I know you've done a ton with it. And Anthony, I assume, you know, from the inspiration that it gives to Redwood, do you guys just want to educate folks on what made Ruby on Rails so great for somebody who, imagine they're an alien from Mars and have never touched it. You can take that, anything.
0: Yeah, I'd be curious to kind of hear how Mark would describe it, but the main thing is MVC. Like, model view controller, I think, is a good way to think about it. You have a model, which is like your database model. You have a view, which is your front end, like what the users actually seeing. And then you have a controller that mediates the logic between the two.
2: Yeah. And I'd add to that, you know, it's a highly opinionated framework that's, that's pretty highly focused on database applications that or web applications that manage a database. And it, it took a very interesting approach in that through gems, these reusable bits of functionality, you essentially piece together a website through all the common things that most websites do or most web applications do. So it's meant to make the developers really high velocity and it's meant to solve all the common practical problems around building a web app when you're a really small team and you have no resources and I would still say today if if you fit that bill if you're one guy or you know five people like working on a thing in your garage rails is the best way to get bootstrapped it gives you the highest velocity and allows you to ship something really quickly and it it scales and and holds up Really well, like you've seen from GitHub and Twitter, these big sites use Rails pretty far into their success. Um, so I think you know, the things that it really brought to the table was like being highly opinionated, um, convention over configuration, and these coarse grain chunks of functionality being added to apps through through gems.
0: Yeah, and that definitely tracks with Redwood. It's the the opinionation and the convention over configuration. That's an interesting point to make because. JavaScript historically has fought against convention over configuration, has been very unopinionated, and the React world has modeled the JavaScript world in that sense of being very unopinionated and having no conventions. So, Redwood is saying, okay, we've had React for a while, we, we know we'd like it, we know we want to build around it, but it's time for us to create some conventions to actually make it more manageable so we can have a nice developer workflow that's Railsy but is using this newer technology.
2: Got it. How big is the team behind Redwood?
0: Yeah, right now we are at like 14 core members. We're just about to add a handful more. So it's been growing. And to get a little bit into like the history of the project, it first started just with Tom and Peter. So Tom preston Warner, Warner, whoever knows from GitHub, and Peter Pistorius, who's not as well known, but he was a developer working on Chatterbug with Tom at the time, which was a language learning platform. And so they were building an application that basically had a Rails backend speaking GraphQL to a React front end, and they found that it was just a hard application to manage and figuring out how to smash those two worlds together with this GraphQL e- intermediary thing. It like it got them most of the things they wanted, but it just like took so much work to like actually get it you know functioning. So they're thinking, how can we create a framework that's going to use all this tech and do it in a way that's going to be more native to the JavaScript world? And so this was like in 2018. This is a while ago. And they were batting ideas around and then started creating the actual repo in June of 2019. But most people didn't hear about it until then march 2020 which is when it like kind of was announced to the world and at that point it was four people it was tom and peter and then they had brought on their friends david price and rob cameron and so all these people have had on fmgm if you're curious about learning more about their their whole stories and and histories but they've been building up the team ever since then, so kind of adding people incrementally as it's gone, so it went from four back then over the course of a year and a half to 14 now, and then we're about to add like three or four more, so we're gonna be close to around 20 pretty soon.
2: Got it, and, and how did they decide what pieces of the JavaScript ecosystem to build on? Like specifically, you know, Next.js, at least now, maybe not in 2018, uh, is the far and away the most popular framework I think in the React world and notably redwood js is not built on top of Next.js. so you know was that ever considered and 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 how what was the process behind deciding what to put in the in the box versus what to leave out
0: yeah and so this is stuff that happened long before i was on the team but having listened to every podcast thomas ever done i've got a pretty good idea of the the outline here and it was a fairly fluid process in the sense that they were building this and they were looking at what's available and they're pulling in different pieces and taking pieces out and kind of like just trying to reach like a local maximum of what they thought would be the best combination of tools to get here like Prisma especially like there used to be Prisma Nexus in the framework which is like this whole other separate thing that goes along with this so the the pieces of tech mostly just came from having researched and known the area as working developers for many, many years. Peter especially had a really big influence here because he was a React Native developer for a long time. And as they were doing this, they really wanted to have control over the framework even though it was gonna be made up of other open source pieces. And so I think Next just took up too much real estate, and was going to be too big of a driver to for them to really buy into. And, and this is really interesting because Blitz is the contrast mm. here, and that Blitz does yeah. build on Next, but they ended up after a long time signing a fourth yeah. Next because they didn't have enough control over it. <laughs> so that to me was kind of like you know almost you know ratifying the decision Redwood had made to have more control over that layer. And it's it's all about the routing because they wanted to have control over their own router, and you couldn't do that if you use Next.
1: Yeah, and I'll just give a shout out. You have an episode of FS Jam, I think, where it's you and talking to Brandon, uh, the creator of Blitz, specifically Mm -hmm. about the decision to fork. Uh, I think you spent a whole episode on that. Yeah, I thought it was really fascinating. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I was surprised that it didn't seem to get as much attention in the kind of like main space of, you know, the the tech conversation, because it's a really compelling story because it's, you know, a very large framework using another very large framework and deciding to fork them. And so that, that doesn't happen very often. Yeah.
1: It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, but uh, maybe we should, we should jump into the the demo and walk people through what makes Redwood so great. But before we do that, just if you were to outline, you know, what the core pieces are, we've talked about Prisma. What are the other core libraries, you know, like say the top three or four that, that are, you know, already bundled for you batteries included uh, in Redwood.
0: Yeah, so the GraphQL stuff is what you kind of want to wrap your head around. So I work for a GraphQL company. I'm like very, very deep in the whole GraphQL space. And most people, when they hear GraphQL, they think Apollo. And so you have Apollo Client and you have Apollo Server. Those are usually the front end and the back end pieces that are going to make up like a full stack GraphQL application. Now, this has gotten much more complicated from when Redwood was created because Apollo Client is the default But if you want, you can switch it out for a React query. Apollo Server is no longer the default at all, and we've actually chucked it for a brand new server called GraphQL Helix. So, this isn't super important if you don't want to, like, really Mm -hmm. dig into the low levels, because part of the benefit of Redwood is that you don't have to think about all these underlying libraries, but... I really recommend people who are interested in GraphQL to look into Helix and Envelope especially because this is, I think, a sea change in the GraphQL world that's kind of happening under the surface and not a lot of people are aware of. But Apollo Server, is old news. It's no longer cool, if you know. But the, those are the main things that are happening is that you have Apollo on the front end, you have this new kind of GraphQL server Helix on the back end, and then you have tooling. You have Storybook, and you have Jest, and you have basically already UI testing and mocking. All that is built in already. So you can just run commands to basically get storybook up to get Jest test running. They also have mock service worker which is doing your mocking for you. So it has a lot of pieces in there that like Rails developers would expect. So if you want to have whole bundled framework that also means you can't just build the thing you have to be able to test and verify that the thing works as well so that's also all built in so i
1: guess let's keep it from the perspective of somebody just wanting to try it out what are the technologies they need to know i'm hearing graphql they need to know uh react query just and just react we don't even need to know prisma really well i would say
0: not not even react query yeah prisma you the prisma commands are bundled into the redwood cli so the actual code you are going to write is going to be React code. So I would say you need to know React. If you don't know React, you should learn some React before you use Redwood. Everything else you can pick up on the way.
1: Great. Well, let's let's jump into the demo.
0: Awesome. So I'll go ahead and share my screen and minimize that. So I have just a little gist here that I'm going to use to kind of follow along with. We're gonna do a couple things. We're gonna start by creating a project. We're gonna provision a database. <clears throat> I'm gonna use Railway. You could use Supabase, you could use Heroku, you could use Fly, there's a million ways to get Postgres databases spun up now. But the main thing is you wanna just have a database you can use. And then we are use Prisma to actually set up the database. We're gonna run migrations. And then I'll talk about what a cell is once we get to it. That's how we do the data fetching. And then this may be a bit of a faux pas, but I'll be deploying to one of your competitors. Unfortunately, we do not yet have a layer zero integration, but let's
1: let's work on that. But yeah, no worries.
0: Yeah, yeah so this first command is going to take a bit of a second. So while that's going, I'm going to kind of show just what, what Railway is. So this is going to be how we're going to spin up our database. It's awesome. <laughs> it's just like, a really, really fast, kind of easy way to get a database up and going. So, while that's installing, I'm going to just kind of jump a step ahead here. This is going to initialize a project, and all we want to do is just give it a name and then give it an add on. And so, the add on is going to be a Postgres database. So, you can do Railway add, after Railway admit, and then it shows you some of the stuff that's available. So this to me is, I think of it like kind of a backend, like Netlify or Vercel and that is just like, I want to get something spun up really quickly. I want to have a nice interface to it. And you can do all this with just uh, the Postgres database, which is really, really nice. So if you then check your Railway over here, we actually have this Postgres database. And it's got connection strings and everything we can use to access it. Now that we got our project set up, let's just kind of see what we got here. It's going to first give you just kind of like a little hello world splash page on localhost 8910, and it's also going to have you set up to actually like do the database migrations as well. So let me actually open up a code editor. The, the main thing you wanna know about a Redwood project is that you're gonna have a website for your front end and then a uh, API side for your back end. And part of the reason here is because you actually have, like, server running code, whether that is going to be, like, a serverless function or a, uh, you know, Docker container, the... So you are going to have like an actual server and then you're going to have an actual front end. So those two are kind of separated mm-hmm. in the project with your API so and your... So maybe just like
1: pause stuff. there for the audience to elaborate on what you're saying here. Yeah. What you're saying is basically, you know, it's, it's Jamstack or headless where the front end is entirely statically generated. Is that correct? And then everything else that you're using the server endpoints for, you know, the API data. Um, and that's what the server is for. Is that basically correct? Okay.
0: Yeah, so if you take a look at the website, it will look fairly familiar if you've ever worked with a Create React App or something like that. And how you have like an src folder that's got all your React code and stuff, got your pages and layouts and components. Those should all be fairly you know standard for working with these kinds of applications. And then you have like your actual public folder, which has like you know icons and and things like that. But the easiest thing to kind of first show is just, like, what a, what a page is with Redwood. Because this is similar to Next. You already have, like, page stuff built in. And we also have a really nice CLI that lets us generate most of the things we're going to want to generate with the Redwood project. So all the commands start with yarn Redwood. And then we're going to generate. So you can write the word generate or just give the letter G and then you tell it the thing you're going to generate. You can generate almost all the different components of a Redwood app. And right now we're just generating a page and then we want to have that page be called home page. And then the path we want to set is going to be just the forward slash. It's just going to be like our home page. So if you had, you know, ajcwebdev.com forward slash, that would be your, your page here. And then this then was placed in our pages folder. In our homepage folder, and our homepage right here. And we can just kind of edit this to say, hello, JavaScript jam. And then we save, and we automatically see the changes here. So, questions so far?
1: So, maybe we should tell the audience a little bit of a map of the directory structure. I mean, it's very similar to uh, a lot of other projects, but. When you did the generate, for example, you, you have two other files. It uh, looks like Storybook and Jest. Is that correct for, for testing?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Storybook, and then you have just a basic test here that is rendering the, the home page. So just making sure that your whole component is not broken. And obviously, you're going to want to write actual tests beyond that, but this is kind of like a good you know starting example. And it also comes with a meta tag, too, which is pretty nice.
1: And how would you handle, for example, dynamic routes? So, you know, product slash ID. Um...
0: Yeah, so that is where the routes file comes into play. So this is where the actual router is set up. It's like a React router or something like that, where you have router that is wrapping Mm -hmm. your actual route components. And then so here is where you would actually do all of that kind of stuff. So if you go, we have a, a tutorial that is really really built out and it's how most people learn how to use Mm -hmm. redwood so like there's a whole section on like routing params and and how to set that up and this will be a little outside the scope of of what i'll be showing Mm -hmm. but we got a whole document here explaining how to do that
1: interesting okay so you don't follow for example like the the next convention where you know it's a special file name uh and the router just kind of automatically picks it up it's not necessarily always file-based routing
0: Right, it's declared here in this routing file. And so it's trying to get the best of both worlds in that it gives you the flexibility of something like a React Mm -hmm. router, but it sets it up for you also.
1: Uh, Yeah, so when you do the generate, it will automatically add it to the routes for you. So it almost... So check this
0: out. So if we were to create an about page instead of a home page, then it's going to create an about page like that. And then automatically maps the page to the
1: route. Okay, ah, great.
0: And then if we go over here
1: to about, then bam, there's your about page. Got it. Okay. And then that gives people the flexibility, but also the ease of use, uh, it sounds like. That makes sense. Yeah, that's the idea. Okay. Um, And then the pages are uh, server-side rendered, client-side rendered? Um, How is So
0: they are client-side rendered by default, but there is a pre-rendering option that will let you actually... Uh, statically generate pages if you want and essentially all you do is you add this pre-render prop to your route so that's for like deciding between which ones you want to be like static versus just client-side rendered we don't yet have like an an actual ssr solution yet but it's something that like we get asked about constantly so it's it will likely be like the first thing we start working on after v1 comes out
1: got it so that pre-rendering is the jamstack pre-rendering where it'll pre-render essentially the front of it but if there's you know a product page for each product you're basically just pre-rendering the shell so to speak rather than each one yeah
0: exactly okay. and the the reason why we haven't really like put a ton of work in that is because they're like there already is a server <laughs> like if you just want to like, run the server code and like do whatever you want you can do that it's it's there so that's why we don't really have an ssr convention yet but there's nothing stopping you from just doing it yourself because there is a server
1: got it uh, Mark, did you have anything else before we let you keep going on your, your demo?
0: Well, maybe it's a good segue to the next thing,
2: which is how do we start incorporating data from the database?
0: There we go. So that is going to be the next thing. So this is where we're going to now move into our API folder. And here we have Prisma. And so Prisma is, uh, kind of almost like code setup in terms of how you use it. Cause they have their own like schema.prisma file. And what's really cool about this is you get to both specify your database and your model. So we're telling it here that we want Postgres versus like it was SQLite originally. So you can switch between one or the other, although it's not entirely seamless. So I'd recommend just picking a database at the beginning and using that one. But as long as you kind of stick with the same one, it's usually fine. And then we set the model here. So we're just going to create a database model ID title body and create it at... And the way you actually connect it is with a database URL here. And so <clears throat> this is just a command that basically takes your railway environment database URL and then just, like, sticks it here into your .emv file. And then this will be a database that I'll tear down after this, so no <laughs> worries on the keys or anything like that. But this is... Uh, just setting the database URL as an environment variable that is being read in here, and then when we deploy this, this is the only environment variable we need to feed our whatever our Jamstack front end is to get it connected to the back end.
1: Now, was there a command you could run to create the model, or did you have to start with the that that schema?
0: So the yeah, that's basically the the hard part is that you everything is based on the model. So you start by writing the you start by writing the model and then all the other commands spin out from this. So we're going to run a command that's going to generate an entire admin UI dashboard based on this model specifically. So knowing how to write a Prisma schema is a thing that you kind of have to learn once you want to go beyond what the tutorial gets The tutorial starts off with a post model, you have a user model, you have a contact model. So you have like the kind of base models you need to get most things started, you've I just like turn the post to a to do. You can yep. do that, you know, very easily. But beyond that, you—that's when you start digging into things like Prisma and like what the Prisma schema is doing. And, and honestly, th- this is important to, to point out that you don't need to use Prisma or the API folder at all. I can delete this API folder, and this front end will keep running. So, you don't necessarily need to have to learn all this stuff if you just decide you want to drop it, but it's already there and it's built in. And this is kind of like the conventions we've decided to build on because going back to the Rails and the Active Record, having that ORM is a thing you want to build around.
2: Got it. And then, so then, how do we start? Like let's say we want to build the, the post page. How do we pull that data into the the actual page when we render the HTML? So that'll be
0: the the cell part. So let's first do the migration and then we'll get into the cells. So right now I'm running this yarn Redwood Prisma migrate dev command. And all this is doing is just taking Prisma migrate dev and running that through the Redwood CLI. So this is what I mean about you can use Prisma and know kind of how it works and and then you can actually, like, figure out kind of where Redwood boundaries is and where Prisma's boundaries is. But for the most part, you don't really need to think about it too much. It kind of just handles it for you. And then going back to what I was saying about generating the admin UI, this is what the generate scaffold command is going to do. This is going to do everything in terms of, like, giving us the, the CRUD capabilities and all that kind of stuff. So we got all that set up now, so it's actually good. But I needed to create the Prisma
1: model first before I ran that scaffold. Is that correct? Yes, that was essentially the only code Mm -hmm.
0: we put in here. And if we wanted to, we could have just left the user example model Mm -hmm. there and then run a scaffold based on that. So you can take the one that's already given to you. I just like to kind of change it it to like a post. This is essentially how the tutorial has you do it. So this is where the magic now really is. So this is our whole admin UI. We have no posts, and it's letting us know we have no posts, so we can create a post. This will be JavaScript Jam. And then now you've got your post, and if you want to, you can edit it, and you can also create a post that you will then delete, and it'll ask you if you're sure you want to delete it. So it does all the stuff you'd expect an admin UI like this to do doing it directly into your database. So if we go back to our database over here and look in the data, we'll see that, am I attached to a different database? Yeah, I created two of these. (laughs) So this is the new one, so we wanna go to this one.
2: I had flashbacks to a, a topic that we covered on our clubhouse yeah. meetup a few months ago about the removal of alert and confirm when I saw that confirm dialogue come up. <laughs> see if they remove that, you'll have to put in a whole UI component library just to recreate that.
0: That is It'll true. have ripple effects yeah.
2: through through time and space. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. So now we have our posts here. We can see them being written directly into our database over over here. So this is basically all good to go. And then to actually get to then your, your last question is how do we actually do the, the data fetching? And this is going to be...
1: Uh... Actually, before we do that, I want to highlight just a couple things that may not be obvious to, mm-hmm. to the listener or viewer. Like that slash posts, you didn't have to create that route. It automatically, scaf- when you ran scaffold, it knew you had a post, it knew what the plural of it, posts, and then set up the route. Is that correct? The like classic rails. Yeah and, yeah, and
0: this this used to cause issues for for some words. Like this was the a famous bug, the Pokemon bug, where if you used Pokemon, it wouldn't know how to pluralize Pokemon, and so the whole thing would blow <laughs> up. But um, we've worked those out, thankfully.
1: <laughs> critical critical route name there. Uh, yeah. Okay, but so it's the the scaffold. It's basically set up, and you did not have to do any of this UI. All of that was, again, set up for you. And the code for this admin interface is, I assume, files that got populated in here we could go and modify if we wanted to.
0: Yeah, if we went back into our components, yep. we now see we have all of these components. We have post, we have post form, we have posts, post cells. And so the, the cells part is what we really want to kind of explain. Okay. This is the, the kind of last really important key convention that you need to understand Redwood. So a cell is how you do your data fetching. And so the data fetching is basically how you access the database and then render it in some sort of react component. And this is where some of the GraphQL stuff starts to come into play. Because what we're doing here is we are writing a GraphQL query here right at the top. We're going to do a query called posts. And then we're going to have multiple states that, that our post could be in. So that could be, Loading, if we're waiting for the data to load. Empty, if there is no data, like when we saw our dashboard had no posts, it gave a different message saying, hey, do you wanna create a post? Failure, if you have an error, and then success when you actually get the data, and it works. So if we just import this current cell as it is, we're only gonna see the ID, because that's all our query is asking for. So let's first look at that. We're going to just import a component and then render the component out here. And then if we go look at our front page, these are now those three posts that we created. We see we're missing ID2 because I created a post and mm-hmm. deleted a post. Now, if we then go back to our cell, we can say, okay, I want to see more data though. I want to see the whole post actually and the title and the body and when it was created. And now we're actually getting all the data there. But then the last thing is like, okay, well, I actually want to make it look nice. I want to make it look at least a little bit like an actual blog post so I can then style it. And so I'm going to write this little success component here. that's just going to map over the posts, give me the title in H2, give me the body in a paragraph, and then give me a time, a nice semantic little time tag. And then now that is our posts. So this is the blog this is now essentially complete. If we wanted to add routing parameters, we could do that. If we wanted to add authentication, we could do that. Those are the next kind of steps in the tutorial. And if you want to create a contact form, you can do that. But um, I'll take just a couple more questions, and the last thing I want to show is how to deploy this. Yeah, I just want
1: to highlight again for the viewer. Basically, you basically specified the query, and then you exported some you know, end state, success, failure, and then you handled detecting, you know, where in the lifecycle that request was at.
0: In- yeah, and you can see the loading flashes a little bit there when you refresh.
1: Oh yeah, so you you take care of all of that for for somebody. They don't have to worry about it. You just yeah. describe in each of those scenarios what happens, and then the framework, like a classic framework, make sure it's wired up appropriately. Uh, so you take that job off the developer, which makes it easier.
0: Yep. Yeah, exactly.
2: What is it like to start to tweak that query? Like if you wanted to limit the output to the top two posts or if you wanted to filter the post in some way?
0: Yeah. uh, Redwood pagination, we have a cookbook for that. So if you're curious about kind of the Redwood pagination, we got that as well. Beyond that, anything you can do in GraphQL, you can do in Redwood because it's just using like a GraphQL client and a GraphQL server. So that kind of just gets into the question then of like if you want to really tweak that query and get into the more nitty gritties, it's like what is your GraphQL level of knowledge? And do you know how to do that within GraphQL? And you can do a lot of things within GraphQL. It's just kind of like digging through their their docs to figure that out.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Got it. Yeah. Cool. So now. This is going to be our deploy command, yarn, Redwood setup, deploy, Netlify. You could also change this to Vercel, or render, or the serverless framework. And we're gonna have another one for fly.io in the near future, so tons of ways to deploy it. And this will create a Netlify.toml that's specifying the build command, the publish directory, and then your functions, because your whole API folder ends up deployed as one giant Lambda function that stitches together your schema, your DB, and your services and all that. And your services, which I didn't really talk about at all. This is how you're actually talking to your your database. And we're we're getting kind of low on time here, so I can't go into that too much. But this is like the controllers in Rails, essentially.
1: So you're deploying, just to be clear for folks, you're deploying the front end and then the serverless code, but the database is still on Railway. Yeah. correct
0: yes yeah. that is the one thing that makes render a very interesting deploy target because render is the only deployed target we have and i guess aws2 serverless works all in one place in the sense that render can run your front end and your your server code whether that's serverless functions or an actual server and that also gives you a postgres database so no other service I know of right now is able to do all of that together, yeah. unless you're also then putting the whole thing in a container in the first place, in which case it makes it a little bit simpler. Okay, so now do you know if there gotta... are any
2: issues around? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying. Now
0: all we gotta do is create a Git Repo connected to Netlify, and this will take a little bit of time to actually deploy the thing. So um, feel free to keep asking questions while I do this.
2: Yeah. Do you know if, if there are any issues around using serverless functions like running in something like Lambda, connecting to a Postgres database? Like one of the things that I've heard is that at scale, uh, all those different functions spinning up create a lot of connections that can overwhelm a mm-hmm. Postgres database. And then there, there are workarounds for that, like um, there's RDS proxy. Uh, in in uh, AWS, but is is that a thing that's mitigated at all by the framework or any of these services like Railway?
0: Yeah, this is yeah this is uh, you you hit on quite the quite the huge issue actually, which is that uh, for the most part, things like Postgres and serverless functions they don't play well because it like owns a whole connection or just like isn't really easy to scale across a lot of connections all at once. Now, there are a lot of companies working on this, like Supabase has PG Bouncer built in now by default, which would be the main thing you want to handle this. Problem is, Prisma doesn't yet work with PG Balancer, so they're still kind of working through some issues mm. on that. And this is why we still don't really say Redwood is like 1.0, because it's like a couple of like tiny little things here and there that you, you can work around, but it is kind of like a little bit more like time and effort you're gonna have to take to, to do it and you can do it and you can figure out ways to make all this work it's just not yet as nice and simple as like everything else i'm showing like once you get to scale there's gonna be some things like mm-hmm. that you have to worry about but this is also why we've made it very easy to just run the thing in a freaking server <laughs> like if you just want to run redwood in a server mm-hmm. instead of a serverless function like you can do that there's a lot of ways to do that now so and if you're gonna get to the point where you have to like hack your your database so much to get your serverless functions to work with it, then it's just like, just bail it and put the thing on a server and it's going to be
1: fine. Yeah. It's kind of like, this is the thing about serverless. It's kind of like, you know, trying to get the wrinkle out of a a carpet it's like, you push it away and you're like, Mm -hmm. Oh, my serverless can scale now, but it's like, (laughs) no, you've, you've just caused it to pop up somewhere else. Um, so definitely worth keeping in mind. Go ahead, Mark. Sorry.
2: Do you know specifically if, if RDS proxy is a solution for this?
0: RDS proxy would be the one of the main things you want to look at for this. The problem is we don't have any docs for that yet. Like, we don't really have anyone on the team who's, like, an RDS proxy expert who's, like, already taken a Redwood app, connected to RD proxy, mapped that whole path for everyone else. So someone just needs to do that at a certain point. Like, these are the types of things that I usually kind of pick off over as the months go on. I just, like, pick some random Redwood topic. Like, I, that's why I learned how to deploy it to fly and, like, with a Docker container just, like, a couple of weeks ago. So... We'll get there eventually, and if you're determined enough, I'm sure you're someone who knows what these things are and how these things work, you could probably figure it out yourself. But right now, there's not really like a Redwood solution to using RDS Proxy.
1: Mark, should we explain what RDS Proxy is to to folks?
0: Yeah, definitely.
2: (laughs) Yeah, uh, it's basically like a connection pool as a service that you can put in front of RDS, which is Amazon's relational database service. Basically, they host Postgres for you. So it you know it limits the amount of connections that need to come into Postgres uh, and essentially solves this problem because you know as your traffic goes up you can have essentially as many lambdas as you're willing to pay for uh, and so you can have quite a few connections so RDS proxy is just a connection pool
1: so maybe that's a good seg for you know uh, how far are you guys to 1.0 when can folks use this in production uh, you know what What's what are some high profile apps uh, maybe live today on on Redwood uh, what's you know wh- how long to 1.0 and and what should folks be aware of if they're going to try it and what are some good examples
0: Yeah definitely so we have been cracking away at 1.0 for a long time and we're extremely close in that we're just going to be one or two minor releases away from a release candidate so the release candidate will be coming within the next couple months, and then that will be what people will iterate on and test, and then that will be what will become 1.0 without any breaking changes from the release candidate to the to the main one. And then the actual 1.0 production will likely be beginning of 2022. But there's a handful of companies already using it in production. Everfund is one of the most well-known. This is my co-host on FS Jam, Chris's company. So this is a donations link platform and you can basically create different links that you can then put on your own website for the specific British UK like tax aid kind of thing. And then user vitals uh, by Tharshan. This is a tool for getting feedback from users and from people using your product. And so, you know, there's always this problem of people use your thing, it breaks, and then they never use it again, you never find out about it. So, like, how do you actually close that gap in terms of something's wrong, how do you get that information to the teams that can actually fix it, and, you know, make it, make it right. So those are two, there's actually a, a lot more. If you go to the awesome Redwood JS repo, you can find a decent chunk of production Redwood applications here. So tape.sh is another big one. This is a screen recording tool that has a, UI and, and a CLI, and then repeater.dev. Both of these two are from core team members on the, the Redwood team. This is like a background job processing thing for Jamstack. So, you know, all the things you need to have like a queue or a persistent server running for, because that's the, like the main thing you can't really do with the Jamstack. So, it's a solution for that. So, lots of things already using it. But I would say if you're interested in Redwood and you want to build something serious with it. You should start testing it now with the plan of deploying in the beginning of next year. Okay, so this thing is live now. And the last thing I want to do here is just give us a nice little domain name. Jam Redwood. And then if we go to this link, we'll be actually able to see those posts that we created here now the issue here of course is that this is just a live database anybody can go in and edit and delete and mess with so i skipped the authentication part of the tutorial which is very very important but this is kind of the end-to-end experience of what's happening here and how to how to do the whole thing
2: gotcha that's an interesting segue so i assume there's like an authentication module built into redwood or is there you use a third party thing how does that Choice would work.
0: We give you the option to use like seven different third party things, so it's gotten a little bit out of hand how many different mm-hmm. ways you can do auth with Redwoods. So <laughs> if you look at this list, this is the Netlify Identity yeah. Widget, Auth0, Azure, Clerk, which most people don't even know about, GoTrue, which is the underlying auth server of the identity widget, Magic Links is a whole different company. You can also do Magic Links with Superbase. You can do it with Ethereum, which you can attach it to a blockchain. Magic Links is also on a blockchain. You can do it with Firebase, you can do it with Endhost, <laughs> and you can also build your own. <laughs>
2: Gotcha. Okay, cool. So uh maybe to to finish out here, there's a few other competitors in this space where they're all upstarts. You know, you have Blitz, you have Bison and Redwood.js, I think are the three big ones vying for the you know the full stack framework space in JavaScript. What do you know about those others two, Bison and Blitz and and how would you compare them to Redwood? Totally.
0: I think I've probably been like the biggest Bison advocate there there probably is I've been telling people about forever and almost no one even knows, knows what it is so it's another example of a full stack react framework that uses GraphQL now that makes Bison more comparable to Redwood than Blitz because the important thing about Blitz is that it does not use GraphQL it does not supposedly even have you build an API period and this is why it's seen as an even better rapid prototyping tool than Redwood because you can build something even faster because you're not building an API. So that is the one thing that makes it really nice for people who just want to be able to write essentially front-end code that like calls functions directly into their database and doesn't deal with this whole GraphQL nonsense because as we talked about in the demo, like the GraphQL stuff comes into play as you're writing your queries, as you're setting up your models, all sorts of stuff. But... They all are using React, and they all are using Prisma. So that's the interesting underlying layer between all of them is that Prisma is a very important key like initiator of this movement because having an ORM that people were finally happy with in JavaScript is what allowed people to build these full-stack frameworks. So if you want to look at what's similar between all of them, they all use Prisma. They all use React. And the difference is some of them use GraphQL, some of them don't. And then there's you know final level questions of how they handle CSS, how are they using React Query or Apollo? And and those are kind of more nitty-gritty questions that are like less important than the the core thing, which is how do you feel about APIs? That's gonna define kind of which one you end up picking. So if you're
1: trying to decide between them, it's do you wanna know GraphQL or not? Are there other criteria that are important to know do
0: you do you find the concept of creating an api valuable or a time sink (laughs) it's so it's a it's a philosophical question how do you feel about the entire concept of api so if you want to very easily stick another client on top then redwood's going to be nice because you have a graphql api and graphql says to be decoupled from the front so it's easier to add like a native app or something very easily Exactly, yeah. But if you don't want to deal with that and you know you want a monolith because you're building a monolith, then build a monolith. (laughs) So that's when you would use Blitz.
1: Got it.
2: Got it. What about like subscriptions? You know, real-time streaming data. In, In Rails, they added that, you know, in the last few years. And I know with Apollo Client, you can have subscriptions to GraphQL queries. Is that provided by Redwood?
0: Yeah, so the subscriptions question is a little complicated just because it's... Are you implementing that in the front or the back end, or some sort of unified flow between the two of them? Because you can set up subscriptions with Supabase, but if you're not using Supabase, then you can't use Supabase subscriptions. So then you have to implement mm-hmm. in the actual like GraphQL server that you're that you're building. So you can do that, and then either way, you then have to figure out how the subscriptions are going to get into the the front, and so. That's another thing that is is possible. People have done it, but there's not really like great docs around it yet, so that's another thing that we're kind of honing as we get to 1.0. We're working very closely with the guild, which is the group that Yuri Goldstein runs. He's kind of like the guy who originally created Apollo back in the day and now has, like, left Apollo and is now leading this, like, decentralized group of GraphQL, like, consultants that build front-end, like, or build open source projects. It's really, really interesting stuff. You should, you should get them on the podcast, but um, they're helping us a lot with this more nitty-gritty, like, how do you do subscriptions in GraphQL? theres there subscriptions and live queries and this whole, like, philosophical debate around that so that's a it's like a deep technical question that like there's a long long redwood issue about it if you like are curious about it but it's kind of a niche thing
1: all all three of these frameworks have you know rails opinions the conventions they keep you on uh maybe you don't know the answer to this but if you were to break off from the rails and decide you need to go off on your own direction is one of the three easier than the other to, to say gives you more of that flexibility to be less opinionated in the using of the framework.
0: So if you want to like eject from the effectively, framework, yeah. Yeah.
1: Think of it like eject. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I think Redwood is set up pretty good to do that because the front and the back end are already decoupled yeah. from each other. That if you want to drop the API layer in the database, you can do that. And then you just have this react front end essentially. But if you want to drop, the website and then build some sort of view app because you just need to make GraphQL queries from your view front end. You can do that as well. So I think that would be the easiest one to eject from. For the most part, we say like we, we don't, we don't really think you should have to yeah. do that. The whole point of the framework is to not be to eject. So we try and cover all the edge cases. So you wouldn't need to, but I do think it actually has a pretty good story there. Like when I was first getting into Redwood, I built a prototype with Fauna and so Fun DB, like, mm-hmm. that doesn't work with Prisma at all. Like, they have no compatibility whatsoever. So you were entirely dropping that and then writing, like, FQL queries that then your services were calling. And you can do that. Like, it, it was possible to do. I was able to figure out how to do that. So there's a pretty good Eject story for Redwood, even though we say you probably shouldn't. If you need to, you can definitely do it. Now, I don't really know Blitz wallet to know what the Eject story is for them. But I would guess they would probably say the same thing. Like, you shouldn't need to Eject from Blitz because that's, like, the whole point.
1: It seems like, you know, from what I've gathered of both frameworks, uh, it's my gut feeling is, is that it's, it might be a little easier in Redwood because, you've, as you put it, it's, everything's already decoupled and it's decoupled according to a, a well-known standard. It's probably possible in both, to be fair. Um, so, yeah. Yeah,
0: because yeah, it's still just Prisma and a React front end, so it's the same thing, you know?
2: So then segue to our last question, which is um, talk about roadmap. What are you excited for in the future of Redwood.js?
0: Yeah, I've been really excited for the Docker deploy story, funny enough, because, like, I didn't know anything about Docker, like, two or three months ago, and I've been, like, slowly learning how it works, we've been trying to figure out how to Dockerize Redwood and, like, give a good, like, Redwood convention around that, so that's something that I've been, like, personally involved in, getting it deployed to, like, Fly and stuff like that, It's, it's really cool, interesting stuff the everything that happened around just switching out a polis server for GraphQL helix was like really fascinating to watch and that's pretty much over the finish line with this last release so that's not really like a, a future thing anymore but that's something that most people still don't really know about and i think is like really really interesting but at this point it's just like polished. we just want to make sure that all the bugs are covered that all the docs are up to date and that whatever you want to do, for, make sure that windows works correctly. You know, it's more of like, now we're kind of like the nitty gritty nuts and bolts. Like just make sure it works like every and all situations. So there's not like cool features coming anymore, but like that, that's not what people want. People don't want more cool features. They want the thing to be, to be one, you know?
1: Um, well then to wrap it up, just where should people a go to, to get started with Redwood and learn more. And then where should they go online to, to find out more and hear more from you? Absolutely.
0: RedwoodJS.com. That's where everything is. From there, you can find links to our Twitter or our Discord or our uh, Discord form. We have a Discourse form. So I I love the Discord. I hang out there all the time. And I really love the the Discourse form as well. So if you're someone who wants to get involved in an open source project, there's a huge team of people waiting to to help you out and kind of give you guidance. So we really recommend anyone who thinks this sounds interesting to just hop in and start start building the stuff with us. And then myself personally, I am AJCWebDev at any place, Twitter, Dev.2, GitHub, all those areas. And I host FSJam. So FSJam.org is where you can find that podcast. And it should be all the places I reside online. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was really great. I haven't given a Redwood demo in a while. Actually, I used to do these like every week. Last year when I was doing like meetup talks for Redwood constantly, but it was, it was fun to to get to do one again.
1: Yeah. Thank you for coming on. We enjoyed having you. uh, And thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, We will see you at the next episode.